Hello, friends, and welcome to the Point of Hope Bible Study Podcast. My name is Steve, and this broadcast is brought to you by the Point of Hope Apostolic Church in Indianapolis, Indiana, where brighter days begin. Leading our study today is the senior pastor at Point of Hope, Mr. Stephen Gossage. Pastor, welcome. What can you teach us today? Well, thank you. It's good to be back. Uh, We are going back into our series, Heroes in Whom We Can Believe. We're in Lesson 9, and we talk about John the Baptist, who was a humble forerunner of Christ. My focus verse slash text is found in Matthew chapter 3, verse 11. Jesus said this, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance. Rather, this was John saying, I said Jesus. I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he that cometh after me, he's referencing Jesus, is mightier than I, whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. And so with this uh, uh, lesson, our focus thought is that John the Baptist displayed humility in every aspect of his life. Jesus even honored John the Baptist as the greatest prophet ever known. So what John the Baptist, what what defined him was a lot of things, but the word bears out that he was a humble man. He was anointed quite even from the beginning. He had a miraculous birth. He was declared. He was told by his elderly mother, Elizabeth, that he was going to come by an angel, Gabriel. Sure. Gabriel. And so he was declared by that. He came and, and, uh, even though he was disbelieved by everybody. They didn't even believe that it was going to happen. When they did find out and actually start to believe, they talked to Zacharias, the father, and and tried to get tried to lead him into a way to where they would name him. And he said, no, I'm going to go by uh, what, what I feel his name should be. Rather, what I was told his name was going to be is John. And he stopped believing. Even before, when he was told that he was coming, he didn't even believe it. Yeah. So John the Baptist, his his beginnings were humble, but he had a higher mission. Well, they're family, aren't they? I mean, they're related. Yes, they were cousins, yeah. uh, technically. They were um, what John the Baptist was to be, though, in the the uh, the ministry of Jesus was to be the forerunner, sure. the herald, as it were. And so, what was happening in Israel at this time? We know that there was 400 silent years, and then all of a sudden, here comes John the Baptist who came in to reintroduce. They never left the law, right? They never left the law of Moses. But John the Baptist had came to to bring them back into uh, uh, repentance and to get back into fellowship with God. And so how he did that is that he began to baptize people unto repentance. So he would baptize them, and they would learn. He would teach them this, hey, everybody, I'm going to baptize you, and this is a form of repentance by saying, forgive me of all all my sin, all everything that I've done, and now I'm going to start from this point on after baptism to serve Jehovah God again. And that was his mission, but he also knew that Jesus, who was coming down the road, he had already knew about him, right? Mm-hmm. That there was somebody that was coming. While they were identifying John the Baptist as the possible Messiah, he's going, no, 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 that's not me. <laughs> yeah. There's one that's coming that's mightier than I, and that's found in our text. So John the Baptist is a fantastic man of God. Oh yeah, He was, as I said, the forerunner of the Messiah, 
he uh, he did a lot of things. He, re, he reunited. He started the process of Israel being reunited back with Jehovah God. He did he did things that he was a bridger. In other words, we call their generations uh, certain generation sure. a bridger generation that brought two different aspects of of thought processes here in the American culture and brings it together, and we call them the Bridger generation. John the Baptist was a Bridger in that he brought, he was the, the Bridger between the law of Moses and then the mercy of Christ. He was part of the transition into a new dispensation. Well, I think that was part of what was problematic for him, because he was disruptive. He was a social... Very good. Um, I mean, he was turning some things around. I mean, not only is this guy preaching things that, that the the Pharisees and the law, they don't want to hear, but he's like a crazy guy. Absolutely. I mean, he's out in the woods eating locusts and honey, and I mean, he's he's living it. Absolutely. We can say that he was living a separate life. He was yes. not influenced by his culture of the day. Did not care even a little. Absolutely. He would be what we call an influencer. Absolutely, just what you said. So his ministry was effective, and he was affected because effective because he he exalted Jesus. He put Jesus in the proper perspective. He knew that he was greater than him. And I think the fact that that spoke to people should tell us where they were. They were hungry for that, even though it seemed radical and it seemed disruptive and socially against what was, I guess, normal at the time. So people are always hungry. They just got to hear. They got to be fed the right way. No, that's no, that's perfect. That's a great segue. And what I'm going with is that John the Baptist was that person that was letting them know and being that bridger or influencer or all those different things that that uh, that change agent, as it were. Uh, his mission was to bring people back to what had been kind of disconnected over all those years. And so what took this greatest move took a man that was committed not just on Sundays or Thursdays or whatever his, and of course I'm applicating sure. that to us, our, our midweek service. This was an all-day 24-7 guy. This is a guy that decided, as you mentioned, went out into the wilderness. For what reason? He came into the, went to the wilderness how he was separated. He separated himself. He ate locusts and wild honey. That doesn't sound too good. And all that because <laughs> he was invested in this. Absolutely. And God is only going to use people that are really, truly invested. Amen. So it's just like a like a system, uh, a financial system. We get what we put into it, right? So John the Baptist understood that. So his ministry was effective, and he put Jesus in the proper perspective for people. When, in fact, when Jesus was coming, he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which does what? Which taketh away the sins of the world. And so he recognized this was, here's what he's about to do. When everybody else thought the Messiah was going to be an earthly king. A conqueror. John, yep. You got it. So John the Baptist framed him in the proper reference that he was coming to take away the sin of the world. Did he know it was going to be through Calvary? No. But I will tell you, he knew who he was. Yep. No question. So that's good. So number one, how do we apply this? What's this whole series about? Well, we've said this. There are certain characteristics that we as Christians can apply to ourselves. And so what John the Baptist was, in this case, he was many things. But he was humble. He was a man of humility. So instead of 
stealing the hearts of the people and exalting himself, he decided to make it clear to everybody else when they were identifying him as the potential Messiah, and then later the second coming of Isaiah, he said, no, 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 I'm just... I, and, and I'm paraphrasing, of sure. course. He said, no, I'm John. I'm just John. Yeah. <laughs> but there's somebody that's coming that's great. And, of course, he, as I said, he exalted Jesus. The second thing that he did was part of his ministry, which was repentance. I, I don't want to be too ugly, but we know that it, right now there's a lot of uh, different, and I don't want to say dogmas as much, but really that's what they are. They're, they're incorrect belief systems, in fact, sure. uh, even in religious world. We talk about the name it and claim it society, as it were. <laughs> we talk about those that are only about prosperity doctrine, and mm. and uh, if you if you will do the and and I believe in this. If you'll do something, God will do something. But they would take it to the next level, to where it's almost unscriptural. To where you, if you would do all of this, you'll get just a little bit of this. And and uh, I'm not sure if I'm making too much sense about that. But the point was, John the Baptist was emphasizing. A repentance. He didn't want anything. He was saying it's about you, uh, the hearer, that if you would just repent, repent ye, and he would tell them the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So his ministry was solid. It was about people and their relationship with God. And it had to be divine. There was no training program. There was no courses he took. There was no one else preaching and teaching that at the time. That's exactly right. So it had to be God. That's exactly right. And again, we're talking after 400 years that were silent, meaning God never spoke. God didn't send anybody else to speak like, like a prophet. All of these things were designated by silence. It's as if God said, all right, I told you yeah. this is what you're to do. Of course, Israel had their their moments politically, and then, of course, they were subjugated over and over by sure. the Babylonians and the Assyrians and, and all of that kind of thing, and they were just recovering, rebuilding Jerusalem and all of that. But after the 400 years, just imagine, it took somebody like a John the Baptist, right? Not a not a half-wit, not a, not a sold-in and sold-out kind of thing. This guy was all in. And so it took this man, this kind of man, to bring in and bring that relationship back and he talked about through repentance and the mode, Steve, that he did. He used baptism. Baptism, as uh, maybe a lot of our hearers know, that if you've ever been baptized, hopefully it's been in the name of Jesus Amen. because that's the proper uh, formula for baptism because we can find that in the book of Acts. That could be another lesson. Because it's all over the place. People. Yeah, it's all over, <laughs> over and over and over again. Baptism is a personal thing. It's with the minister in this case, John the Baptist, the person. And it's, a, it's purposeful in that they're being baptized, and in this case, to cover sin or repent. What we do today through the name of Jesus, we baptize people, and that's to remove, remit the sin in their life up to that point. It doesn't mean that we live a sinless life. It just means that sin with the name of Jesus applied can't stay. It can't stick. So what John the Baptist did, he used an, an emphasis on baptism. And so it was a baptism of repentance. John certainly, it, he doesn't actually say it, but he really colorizes his narrative by saying this is the first part 
of a reconciliation with God. It started with baptism and repentance. It happened in Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2 and 38, repent, baptism in Jesus' name, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost with the evidence of speaking in other tongues. So John, he emphasized Jesus. He emphasized repentance, and the mode that he did was through baptism in water. And so all of these things, he didn't stop there. He emphasized in all of these things also from that point after baptism, straight living. Yeah, where you go from here. That's exactly right. Yeah. Because it because if baptism, and it's the same today, if we only baptize and we stop there, we've made really the thing that should be our foundation, our ceiling. And we're ne- never able to go forward and build upon because then it be- instead of it becoming a part of the process for salvation or a relationship with God, it just becomes just a happening mm-hmm. that you take a mental picture and said, yeah, I was baptized in 19 or whatever it was. So the point is, is that righteousness or right living was emphasized by John. And uh, I mean, he just his ministry was powerful. Now, what does this have to do with anything about uh, being humble? Because he was, he did everything what God asked of him. Because at the end of John's life, if you read in the Bible later on down the road, here's a man that was invested. Here was a man that did everything that needed to be done with regards to to being that herald of Christ. He heralded him. He he was the forerunner. He let him know when Jesus came. He started his earthly ministry when that time came, especially at the wedding of Cana. There came a time that John found himself. Herod was after him. Mm -hmm. By being a man of God, by being a man of clarity, religious clarity, he became somebody that found himself in prison because he was preaching truth. That makes him dangerous, sure. Made him dangerous. He was a threat. And so with that said, without going into the big of the story of that, basically, while he was sitting in prison and the ministry of Jesus was going on, he had a crisis of faith. In fact, the Bible tells us that he sent men to go ask Jesus, have I made a mistake? Are you the the one we've been looking for or did... Or should we be searching for another? And he was doing that while he was in prison. Mm. So in other words, let's be clear. He was a man. He was human. And I just want people to know, our hearers to know, that that right now we could have a crisis of faith, but it doesn't mean that you are disconnected, thrown away. What it means that in the process that we sometimes don't understand John the Baptist ended up losing his life. But when those disciples of John came to Jesus and asked him, he basically said, look around, the blind see, the deaf hear, and blessed is he who's not offended in me. Mm. In other words, I know you don't understand, (laughs) but you can't be offended in my process right now. Mm. And so they took it back to John. And we don't hear any other complaint other than John. I believe that he understood that point that John lived it, and he was a man of humility. He didn't make it any time about himself. That's, that's counterculture. 
no right question. now. I mean, yeah. it is so against because we make it about ourselves, even preachers, Christians, and it's all over. It's all ego. It's about what we do and how it props up, our, up yeah. ourselves. But John the Baptist was a man of humility. And I think we can apply humility in our life, and we can take those things, those four big things that I just referenced about John, and apply it to our lives. Yeah, that's important. You know, to if if even a guy like that, so favored and so right and so steeped in it, can still wake up one day and go, "What am I doing?" You know, right? Because I have days where I feel disconnected, and I, sure. you know, but. That's life. That, that is, that is. That's, I guess, part of the world we live in, right? Mm-hmm. So, so in closing, I know that we're kind of getting a little close to our, um, our time. But in closing, John, being a great man of humility, he could have taken advantage of all of this fame and fortune. In fact, in the book of Acts, Paul had found some, I think it's Acts 19, he found some believers and he said, have you been baptized? Have you been filled with the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost. And he asked them, now we're not talking about in Jerusalem, we're talking on a far off land that Paul was in his missionary journey. He said, well, under what baptism were you? They said, John's. So John was a man that was well known throughout ancient the ancient world, the ancient religious world. He could have took advantage of all that, but he always made sure that it was all about him, him being Jesus. And that's something that we can take from that. That's pretty good. Well, that's all the time we have for this study today. I pray that this was a blessing for you and that you will join us as we continue to study God's Word. Please follow us on our various platforms so you won't miss an episode of this exciting series. Pastor, thank you. And listeners, thank you for listening.